Hi, Kath. Hey, Dawn. your king diamond mask ah! I, will be, I will be taking a video of this it's a little ridiculous we are not alone today we are joined by our friend jen hi jen hi uh jen has been on the podcast before has been a fan of the sister since the beginning you've Definitely. been our like foundation support you're like our you're, 13 yeah Aww. you're one of the 13 she w- you were one of the first people besides lee and debbie um, who, when I started doing card of the day on Facebook, you were like, love this. Oh yeah. I was into it. Totally. See? I love yeah. it. So yeah. thank you for that. And look oh, where we are you. now. Three Jen owns now. a tattoo uh, shop in my town and, um, it's an all girl tattoo yeah. shop, which I love. Yes. Love, love, love that. And I love supporting you and I love supporting the girls and, uh, you're just, you're just family. Thank you. And recently, uh, on Patreon, a couple of months ago, we had a Zoom hangout, and you kind of touched on something that is happening in your life, personally and globally, that is affecting you and your world. And as it does affect us, we just don't know it yet. And so I invited you to come on the podcast. Kathy has no idea, really, what this is about too much. I, I know I, I'm familiar with your personal uh, story, but I don't, I, in a whole, I'm just very humbled and trying to learn what's going on. Of so course. I'm very, ex- I'm very interested to hear your, to hear what you have to talk about. So um, as somebody who has no personal vested interest in your plight, I felt like I don't know what to do for you, but we have this platform. So I thought maybe if you can just reach a couple people, and you can talk about it it'll be worth the conversation worth the time absolutely i really appreciate it i was actually very moved by the invitation to speak with you guys and and have that space to speak about it because um using social media as a platform sometimes gets lost on people you know when you're just sharing infographics or you're trying to touch people's hearts into paying attention by sharing music videos and dance videos and you know anything that you can to kind of help represent what's happening Mm -hmm. you know and still get no response total crickets has been really hard yeah we get that you know when you put your heart and soul into something you know you're competing with so much noise out there and i have always felt that to change people's minds or to bring something to people, to people's noses. It's one person at a time. And it feels daunting. It feels like, you know, spitting in the wind or the drop in the bucket and all of those cliches that are cliches for a reason. So, um, but putting it out there is, is worth it. Saying things out loud, writing them down, um, still changes the vibration of everything. So it's definitely worth it. And I can understand your frustration. So, and social media isn't, isn't everything. That's the other thing. 
is that there are plenty of people out there that are making lots of change and social media might not be how they're doing it. So don't be discouraged that, uh, you know, with just that. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely not. There's been a lot of uh, protesting and, you know, art performances and things of that nature within the public, you know, uh, that really have helped bring awareness to what's yeah. happening right so now. So let's talk about what are you here for? Um, <laughs> okay. So it's a little overwhelming right now. Um, but Arksa, which is the Armenian and historical name for Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, was attacked on September 27th by Azerbaijan um, and backed by Turkey, um, and, which was denied for quite some time. But uh, this is an age-old battle over a large uh, oblast, uh, an autonomous region um, that is historically Armenian, ethnically Armenian, and uh, Azerbaijan believes that they should have total control over this region. Um, and I, I probably need to back up just a little mm -hmm. bit for people. I want you to explain it like you're talking just to me. Okay, I know. <laughs> like I'm you're trying. Gonna have to, okay. You have to translate in crayon and then <laughs> go back and, and kind of, and, and because I think that when it comes to, when we're not, I don't want to interrupt, but I just, you know, to help so I understand. Oh, no, please, yeah. Yeah, is that we create such small worlds for ourselves. And so what's happening with you and, you know, in your world mm -hmm. It takes smaller steps because I'm only thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about not me personally, but like in, in general, we're only thinking about our own selves sometimes. Yes. So the history of it or where it comes from, you know, try, you know, because I'm really interested, like whatever this is, I'm okay. like, okay, I want to know what's going on. Okay. okay. So I'm going to back up. I'm of Armenian descent. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, and as a you know a diaspora it i feel like i need to bring the awareness to what's happening in our region because people are facing a genocide um my not awesome <laughs> <laughs> not awesome but i understand awesome again being patient with kathy caminero is is, is a skill <laughs> and no i appreciate okay. the coaching i'm not okay. used to talking like okay, this go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um my great-grandparents are survivors of the armenian genocide of 1915 which is when the ottoman turks decided that they wanted to rid the region of um of armenians and did so by these uh heinous acts of marching them into the desert um denying them food and water uh, they thought they were being relocated, uh, and actually they were just bring, being brought out. And if they survived these marches, who was left, they were actually slaughtered en masse. Oh, my God. And the shame of it is that for oh years, uh, oh a lot God. of people denied this. Oh, my God. Still deny it. Still deny There are people who still deny it. The United States didn't recognize uh, it. Obama was the closest that we've gotten so far. Yeah, that's how, and this happened in the early part of the 20th century. Yes. So on a global scale, this ethnic cleansing yes. was denied. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's, that's um, terrible. 
Obama used uh, a, a term called uh, the uh, Mats Ugerics, um, and I'm probably saying that completely wrong, um, but it means like, uh, you know, great tragedy, great massacre. It, it's, it's basically a way of skirting the word genocide. genocide. Okay. Um, and that was the closest we got to any kind of recognition. You know, he he promised that he was going to bring the word out because without that awareness, it creates the opportunity for it to happen again, okay. which is what started to happen recently. Wow. Yeah. What I was just going to hold on a second. Say what you want about um, Kim Kardashian. Oh, <laughs> but she um, has made this part of her thing, too. Yes. Um, and she's, Serge isn't she Palestinian? No, she's no, Armenian. She's, she's Armenian. Armenian. Oh, yeah, really? she's half Armenian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And um, she actually tries very hard to put, use her platform to um, have people recognize. You know, like she got a million and a half. I'm looking it up. Like she specifically went to the Armenian Genocide Museum to make get, put it in people, you know, put it in people's faces on social media yes and if you think about this kim kardashian who has how many followers that the fact that she only got a hundred you know 1.5 million goes to show you how even kim kardashian can't really get people to make this part of i just liked it by accident you should like it my instagram Instagram, uh, algorithm is going to be all fakakta now but um (laughs) it's funny anyway I just wanted to say that even, you know, it is not part of the the vernacular. Yes, and we've had uh, we've had several sub- celebrities come out and acknowledge that there was a genocide. Acknowledge that um, they believe that we are being attacked by Azerbaijan because there was a false equivalency happening, which made everybody feel like. Oh, it's just another conflict in the Middle East. We don't need to pay attention to this. They'll sort it out themselves. You know, um, what does it have to do with American lives? What does it have to do with Europe? What is it like? So in the early part of the 20th century, we're talking to Kathy now. The genocide happened. Yes. And then people, the Armenians kind of set, uh, spread out the ones that could survive. Yes. Into a diaspora. Yep. Right. Into what? Diaspora. Which means? Um, groups of ethnic people in other countries creating their own communities. Right. So that happened around the globe. Okay. So um, much like other displaced people on the globe who go through conflicts, um, they have resettled all over. Right. So now uh, for the last 100 years or so, it hasn't really escalated. Um, we've had we've had some escalations. Um, they haven't been so uh, known to us be- until you know now that we have social media. So yeah. every all this information is so fast now, yeah. and is so available that things that have happened over the course of the last you know fifty years, um, we may not have had that access to like i i grew up knowing that something happened when i was in middle school and nobody really it was hushed voices with adults 
you know, um, there were all of a sudden there were refugees that were coming to America who were resettling with other Armenian families within our church community. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up. Well, that's a trick question. Uh, <laughs> Connecticut, for the most part. Connecticut is where our our um, our church is. And uh-huh. uh, my grandfather was one of the founders of the Armenian church, uh, St. George. What is what is the Armenian church like? Um, it's very similar to Catholic church, uh-huh. um, or an Orthodox, you know, Greek Orthodox yeah. church. We're a Greek Orthodox. Yeah. We were not Greek Orthodox, but we were raised Greek Orthodox. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm Armenian apostolic as, uh, you know, that's what I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exactly the most practicing Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still I'm still agnostic, so I still mm-hmm. have some ties to that. It's very cultural for me. Yeah, talk about that. I would like to know um, how how does how did you identify as an Armenian growing up? Yeah. Uh, m- so my father is French. I'm half Armenian, um, and my parents split when I was very young, and because of that, my mom was a bit of a wild child. Um, she had me when she was sixteen. She is, you know, second generation. She wanted to get out. She wanted to assimilate. She wanted to party. She wanted to be, you know, an American kid to the point where she rejected her her birth name because it was very ethnically Armenian um, and she couldn't stand her last name. She couldn't wait to carry my father's name. Yeah. Um, my mom, our mom's the same exact way with Greek. Yeah. She rebelled. She why did she do that? It's we, really like I'm annoying. still mad at her. <laughs> we are the first uh, w- us kids of my mom are right, the we're first non Greek speaking kids. She refused to teach us Greek. Refused. Wow. refused. We wanted to yeah. because all of our cousins on my mother's side spoke right. Greek. My Yaya spoke very broken English mm-hmm. and she wanted to treat teach us Greek and my mom put her foot down no way wow isn't that crazy I know. Yeah. and it's and it, what's interesting is like I think that we identify Italian like because we're Greek yeah. and Italian like mm-hmm. my our father is they're like what a second general they're first generation Se- second generation. second generation so you know we are Italian and then my mother who is half greek and then half a, a, a mix of crazy white people you know mm-hmm. what you know that kind of stuff um and and she just would not identify she had to go to greek school she grew up in astoria it. she resented wow. it yeah um e- the only time we had greek food was when my yaya would um visit mm-hmm. but my mom made friends with all the greek diners in the area 84 diner to this day the <laughs> owner of 84 diner still sends us a plate of spanakopita because it was kathy's favorite and Aww. he doesn't know i'm not kathy <laughs> <laughs> so if we i was four years old <laughs> on the rare on the rare occasion that i'm there he's like oh you how's your mom i miss her i miss your mom how's your you know and he's like 100 years old he's not 100 but yeah close and so my mom and she took us to greek orthodox church which is so you know but to actually raise us culturally as greeks mom wanted us to be american so i have a question for you then well, that, that, mm-hmm. what is america we are i american. know it's dumb it's yeah. a melting pot that's what kills that's what kills me it's like yeah yeah but that's, assimilation was was so dire to them because they there was so much going on especially in the you know the 60s and 70s yeah. that they wanted to be seen as white 
Right. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. And it, yeah. they, so, you know, that's a whole other, um, yeah. conversation. Um, but I mean, we can circle back to that if you yeah. would like to, but my question for you guys is, or folks, excuse me. Um, yeah. did you have any knowledge that the Greeks were also massacred during yeah. the yes. Armenian yeah. genocide? The yeah. 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 I've yes. told the yeah. story. I've told the story on the podcast, okay. um, of my, um, in fifth grade, there was a new girl in my fifth grade class. Her name was Aisha. And uh, we looked alike. And we looked alike. We're both like very pale and dark hair. Yeah. And I was assigned to her to make her feel welcome. Aww. And she was Turkish. And I'm Greek. Mm-hmm. And she invited me over to her house. And I was so excited because she put yogurt in her rice. Yes. We put yogurt in our rice. Mm-hmm. We still do. And when you're a little kid in suburbia here, not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know we're eating pasticho and <laughs> domades, and um, <laughs> and so she had that, and her mother did not speak English that well, and my yaya, who spent a lot of time with us, also didn't speak English that well, and so I understood what it was like, mm-hmm. and we, sorry, and we connected, we became best friends, and Aisha, Aisha Jim. Uh, is uh, she was bilingual. She was she spoke Turkish. Mayaya came to visit and Aisha, who's Turkish, called her father on the phone and started asking him to come pick her up in Turkish. And my great-grandmother lost her fucking mind and started screaming and crying. This doesn't surprise me at all. Oh, sad. That oh. Turk, that Turk, murderer, murderer, murderer. Yeah. In and um, the only reason I know that is I should started crying. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a murderer. Mm-hmm. And my yaya, now that we know what we know, obviously suffered from PTSD. Absolutely PTSD. All of yep. her, except for I think one or two brothers, I can't remember, were slaughtered by the Turks. She lived in a very small island. Half Lesbos? of it was Turk. Lesbos. No. Yes. No. Mom said Lesbos. No. Mom's wrong. All right. Um, That's what mom said. Small island, half Turk, half Turkish, half Greek. It's a small island off of Lesbos. Lesbos is a big island. She lived on a tiny island, and the Turks burned down the entire Greek side of the island, including all the churches and whatever. There were no records. Yeah. So at 12 years old... Mayaya was thrown on a boat mm-hmm. and betrothed to her cousin, mm-hmm. who was probably, I, th- I can't remember, Papu was like 16 years old or something. Right. She got off the boat, and that's who she had to be with. They had five daughters, and the oldest was my mother's mother, who resented being an immigrant, Mm-hmm. Uh, the daughter of immigrants and tried very hard to escape that mold or whatever. But the point is that Aisha spoke Turkish, but my great grandmother knew exactly what she was saying because it's the same pidgin dialect. Mm-hmm. So they're the same people, but not the same people. And it became a huge thing. Um, Aisha's father was a psychiatrist and luck and a very sweet man. He came over here to work in the prison system and a very sweet man, Attila, his name was. And Attila came over and had to kind of mediate. And I think he offered some sort, like he apologized. Like he did something for my yaya to 
make this old lady stop crying. That's so wow. sad. And that my mother, so and of sad. course, and my mother oh. has, my mother has zero compassion and zero patience. And my mother was screaming at my yaya, stop, you're hurting the child. You're a grown woman. Get over it. Like, you're wrong. Stop yelling. Stop crying. Be an adult. Right. And she's screaming that in Greek. Greek. And Aisha understands what my mom is saying. And Aisha's saying, it's okay. I understand. And mom's yelling at Aisha, this isn't your business. And you should just be quiet. Oh. It's not your problem either. Like, my mom was just so frustrated with the emotional reaction that my great-grandmother had. And my great-grandmother was obviously suffering from, you know, she was triggered, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. You know, and when people say, oh, that's awful. Think about the 12-year-old that you know. Right. Think about the 12-year-old girl in your life or the 16-year-old girl in your life and take away four years and think about her watching her family burn to the ground, get thrown on a boat to go who knows the fuck where, and who knows what the fuck happened to her on that boat, by the way. Mm -hmm. And who knows what the fuck happened to her when she landed on Ellis Island, by the way. To find the needle in the haystack of her fucking people in New York in Astoria, and she found it. So think about that. And that's what I think that's the disconnect that people, you know, you you got to personalize the trauma when you think about that. You know, when it's so easy for us to say, oh, kids in cages is terrible. Oh, my God. Think about your babies in your life and think about that. And that's the missing piece. I agree 100 percent. That was so good. Do you need a break? <laughs> I'm a little emotional. <laughs> <laughs> let's take let's take no, I'm okay you're okay okay. Mm -hmm. okay it's 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 a lot it's a it's a lot and we don't we don't tend to think about other people's stories and what they right. have gone through and right. don't take the time to really acknowledge the history right and where we get to, we take so much for granted as a whole as americans yeah we are American, which means that we come from so many different places. And so to deny that we got here somehow, all of us have a story, yeah. is insane. Yeah, I don't think, here's the thing, you know, and the other thing is that it's it's an incredible story, like what are the chances right. of Aisha and my Yaya actually encountering each other? Actually, I think the chances are great. Yeah, because there is so much displacement yeah. by oppressed people across the globe that find refuge in the New York metropolitan area. Right. That actually, I think the chances are pretty good. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm not astounded by that. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, um, it is it is part of a small world conversation, but I think it's easy to say trite things like it's a small world because it's a fucking small world. And so when Jen is not getting acknowledgement, it's time to, you know, think about that small world. Thank you. That was good, Dawn. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's hard to watch people in pain and not be validated. 
and not understand and not take the time. Well, um, a big thing that I've been learning about through all of this and processing all of it is transgenerational trauma and what that means and how much work has been done by, you know, psychotherapists and therapists, you know, dealing with people who've, yeah. who've had, you know, these major traumas in our life. And um, her research has been pretty broad. Um, you know, she's this one particular person that I follow and um, I can't share her name right now, but maybe I can uh, share that with you guys later. Um, but this person talked about how um, the research that's coming out specifically to Armenians is what she was discussing, but not exclusive. Of course, we've got Native Americans and Blacks and, um, you know, the Jew, the Jewish community, like everybody who has had these major instances of huge dramatic trauma is parts of that is actually carried down in our DNA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you yeah, know? yeah. And yeah. we have this fight or flight and you w yeah. sometimes wonder where your strength comes from, you know, and I personally feel like my strength absolutely comes from my ancestors because huh. of, of what's happened. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. Um, as we talked about our parents not really wanting to embrace their culture, I almost feel like it was their way of putting up yeah. the wall yep. and not having to deal with that. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe if I don't look at that piece. Right. You know, sometimes it's easier to conform for safety reasons. You yes. know, think about the strength it takes to to claim your identity, you know, in all aspects of modern time, past time. Right. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense that, you know, you, you want to conform, you don't want the draw, you don't want conflict, you just want to survive, you want to live, you just want to be. And so it, it takes that passion and it takes that, that kind of strength that comes inside to say, you know what, I, I have to become who I really am to have actually comfort and be comfortable in my skin now. Yes. And to be that person for my children. Exactly. And to pay attention to your legacy. Amen. Amen. So I, I understand both sides. I understand wanting to not not cause, you know, to to jeopardize safety for your children. Yes. And that older time thinking. We actually are in a time right now in transition where we have to now identify who we are to make things more peaceful. It's it's really it's the Buddhist it's the Buddhist philosophy of you know, beauty through adversity. And, you know, if you can visualize the picture of, of like the flower, the seed that grows and there's a rock and it stops, the flower, the seed stops growing and then you visualize the rock in the way and then all of a sudden it finds a way around the rock, around the rock to, to kind of see the sun, right? So we're facing the rock, but we're learning that we have to get around the rock. And when you do and you're you're able to, through this adversity, find other people, you're, you find your people. Yes. And that's what this conversation is about. You're voicing to find your people. And I'm starting to find my people. And you're starting to find your people. Yeah. I'm in an area of New York where I'm two, I'm sorry, I'm two hours away from you know, any major community source as far as like the Armenian community. Um, 
I, I, you know, everything's in Jersey and Queens and Connecticut, further upstate in Albany or even further, you know, Massachusetts. Our biggest diaspora is in California, in Glendale. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. um, I'm, I'm just now finding out that there's other little pockets in the Midwest that mm-hmm. I wasn't even aware of, mm-hmm. you know, prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID-19 did one really amazing thing for me. And it was when everybody went inward and all of a sudden you couldn't travel and, you know, like our lives slowed down and everybody in order to survive, we all had to go online to sell our wares. You know, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've fallen down an Etsy hole. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's and, a thing. An Etsy yeah. Hole. Yeah. And looking for, you know, anything, Armenian cookbooks, embroidery books, um, anything of any kind of like, you know, flavor to add to my own, you know, home stash of amazing things I can share with my kids. And I'd find nothing. You know, I, I couldn't find jewelry. I couldn't find anything. You, I, I punched in Armenian into like Amazon and you get nothing. You know, mm-hmm. since COVID, everything is coming out of the That's woodwork. All of a sudden, I'm finding companies from Armenia. I'm finding companies who are out in Glendale. I'm finding co- companies that are here on the East Coast. I'm finding delis that are here on the East Coast that I didn't know existed. Wow. I'm finding so much because everybody had to go online to survive. Yeah. Um, that all of a sudden it opened up a whole new world. I'm finding artists and musicians and it's like I it it's so late for me and I'm so grateful to find it now. But I'm also right. like why is just it late? a little bit why do you think it's late? I'm f- because I'm forty four and I feel like I've been struggling to make these connections for so long and because the diaspora is so spread out and everybody so, so our middle generation, you know, we were talking about our parents, uh, have tried to assimilate as Americans. Yeah. They just kind of like went, eh, you know, yeah, I'm Armenian, you know, and everybody gets, gets used to saying things like, well, it's sort of like Greek. Um, I'm sort of right. like Persian. Actually, my, I am part Persian. Um, there's like all of these different things and you're like in someone like, oh, you're Arab. I'm not arab um and it's really hard to describe who the hell you are yeah you know so trying to find all these bits and pieces these missing pieces of you right you know and especially as a parent you feel the need to pass this stuff on so how do you claim your language if you don't have the you know resources how do you i totally get it i totally get it i can't pass on the greek I could if I, my passion isn't there. I, you know, it's not to say that it's not important to me or well, not. Well, it's, 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 it's not a, an easy language it's either. Not easy, right. Yeah. I can't, I'm having a hard time with English language. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do sign language. It's all visual because my learning is kind of yeah. off a little bit. But I, I thought about that with mom and I, how upset I was that she did not give me some kind of trade. You know, like I wasn't given something as a backup because I think about, you know, uh, Henry and he speaks Spanish. So he could get a job being a trans, you know, he could translate if he wanted, like something to back up on that is a natural thing. And I realized like, well, wait a second. My one thing in my, I guess, lineage would be card reading, would be tarot, which came from my Gaia who read tea leaves, who maybe mom wasn't that great at it. But she did it, 
my father had ESP. So I'm like thinking, all right, that's what I'm going to pass down. Both Donovan and Sophia know how to read cards. Yeah. Because I looked at them. I was like, if God forbid something happens, you'll never go hungry. You have to. And I taught them at a very young age how like I just like we do with Nico mm-hmm. doing card of the day. I always read cards in front of them. It wasn't a foreign thing. He it says, wasn't. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Kade, Kade, Kade. And so that's what I'm going to pass down to my grandson because it's the one thing that I feel it's in my blood and it's a part of our family that's heritage. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I, I think that I understand that how important it is to find these pieces of who you are. And I feel comfort in that. Mm-hmm. because it's my identity it's part of my identity absolutely and you know when i when i think about you know all these young children when i say children i mean anything anybody under 20 which is making me feel old like um you know i work with younger younger kids trying to find themselves and not and and we're talking about conforming and they're trying not to conform because they don't feel comfortable and encouraging them to don't conform please don't conform Please be proud when people are looking at you crazy because that means that when you get older, you're going to be quite successful because if, as Dash from The Incredibles says, if, you know, if everybody's special, then no one's special. So, Hmm. you know, I think it's a very interesting thing. So be special, come out, be proud of who you are, where you come from. There's always something beautiful there. Find the beauty in it. And and that's what you're doing. And that's what you're encouraging. And I hope you find, I I know that you're going to find your way. Thank you. Let's take a break now. And when we come back, I want Jen to talk about what's happening globally. Okay. Sounds good. So um, we were bringing it back to what's happening. What, well, what's happening globally, but we're going to go back to your connection with your Armenian uh, community here. Uh, the Armenian community, the Armenian community here is, uh, for me, was in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, when my parents divorced, my mom was out of the picture. Like I mentioned, she was kind of uh, a partier. She wanted to do her own thing. And my dad assumed responsibility for me and my brother. And as a single dad, he knew that a big part of, you know, our life should include our grandmothers, um, his mother and my mother's mother. And my mom's mother is, uh, was the Armenian. And she used to show up at our house every day. My dad actually moved us across the street from the church which is our cultural center mm. also. Mm-hmm. And he moved us across the street so that I could have that connection to my grandmother who would show up every Sunday and walk us across the street to go right into Sunday school. Um, and as well as be able to walk from our school in Hartford to her house after school too. So, and then, so she, we saw her almost every day during the week. And then we saw my uh, paternal grandmother who was French m- most weekends but the 
connection with my grandmother was huge because she was um she was very active within the community um she exposed me to lots of other families that were also in our armenian you know community um i got to go to picnics and i already mentioned sunday school but within sunday school that's where we learn language um and i know what's called church armenian um so music and food and some church stuff and some keywords here and there i'm still learning bad words don't know very many um and for anyone who might possibly be be armenian this is a funny one for you because i just learned this which was uh i had a friend over who was armenian for uh for halloween and my little guy is two years old and his name is jude and i actually sometimes call him juge and i'm sure you're laughing now um and because john immediately looked at me and goes no no juge no juge juge means dingaling <laughs> uh, <laughs> so apparently i've been calling my two-year-old a dingaling for, for, for a while now <laughs> when i was in brazil i used the term uh, i wanted to express oh that place is very shishi mm-hmm. and they were like don't say shishi don't say shishi. I was talking about a jewelry store. I was like, yeah. oh, it's like really shishi. They were like, shishi is pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So um, my grandmother was a pivotal point for me because she was the bridge, uh, of, you know, that with this enormous gap that I had you know, with my mother not being in our life so much and not really wanting to have anything to do with her own cultural roots. Um, by way of her, I did get, uh, I did get exposed to quite the, you know, uh, Latinx community, which is great. Um, and so I think she was finding her roots in other ways is where I'm going with Mm -hmm. that. You know, um, she definitely identified with Native American. So did my grandmother actually. And there's a lot of, similarities in that because armenians are indigenous to the armenian highlands uh armenia used to actually be a huge massive chunk of land that is now the middle east and i'm sure you've heard the and i i put it up on facebook as a joke you know um there there might be giants you know their their song you know Mm -hmm. istanbul was once constantinople Mm -hmm. you know and it's just like yep there it is Mm -hmm. you know like there's there's so much of that um and even trying to go back and figure out where your ancestors are from is difficult because the names just keep changing you know uh the pronunciations change the names changed and so you're looking at maps from you know that are pre-1915 are going to be different than you know 1920 that are even different now it's it's very confusing it's very confusing Mm-hmm. But the cultural center in Connecticut is tiny, teeny tiny. And that was only a, a a taste of what was possible, you know, and trying to understand who we who we were. And I don't know if I ever fully had the grasp of anything beyond the church, you know, because every time I've mentioned that I was Armenian or, you know, that my grandparents were from this particular area there were just kind of blank looks, you know, I would get, you're Albanian, you're, um, 
oh, you're from Romania? Oh, mm-hmm. you're from, you know. And so there was, there was a lot of disconnect for me. And I didn't know uh, where, where I was as far as, as culturally goes. And it wasn't until I tried to search it back out again when I was in college uh, because I went to the School of Visual Arts and we were two blocks from St. Varton. And St. Varton is the cathedral. It's beautiful. And it has a huge, it has a bookstore in it. So as someone who didn't exactly want to go to church, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I wanted to get some flavor, Mm -hmm. you know, I would go to the bookstore. But I don't, I don't speak or read enough Armenian to know what I'm looking at half the time. You know, I mean, I probably know a little bit more now than I did then, but um, it still was a miss, you know, and there's that like, you're afraid that you're not Armenian enough to go to the counter and ask for help. Right. You know, because you feel like you're not, you're not in that community. There's it, that that's other issues within the community there. But, um, I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel like our community is, they're, they're, they've kind of gone to a different way, which is the whole like one drop rule. Like, you know, like you can even be Armenian by association if I want you to be mm-hmm. at this point, you know, like, oh, you want to speak our language, right? You want to dance our, you know, to our songs, you want to engage with us and go to our picnics. And we are all about it because um, how else are we going to keep our culture going, you right. know, as it slowly starts to, you know, disappear. Right. Do you know, um, can I just interject on a side, sure. side thing? Just as, <laughs> as an interesting, this is just a tidbit. I identify as bicultural because I was born deaf, but I'm not deaf now. And the and being deaf is a culture. It's not just a language. It's actually a culture. So they when cochlear implants started happening, right? And you're familiar with that. Oh yeah. I was part of the advocacy <laughs> that uh, because there because kids who were hard of hearing because I was an educational advocate, an interpreter that the kids that 90 percent of deaf children were born to hearing parents so they wanted their children to be hearing so they had the cochlear implants but then there was an identity crisis because they weren't hearing and they weren't deaf right and so the deaf community kind of got together and was like you're creating genocide by using cochlear implants and not introducing your children to the deaf culture so I completely understand, not that this is, you know, you know, but the understanding, the cultural aspect of, of identifying to a culture that I, just because I'm not deaf, I'm so welcomed in the deaf community mm-hmm. because I have that drop because I suffered at some point or I lived happily in some way because it's not suffering. It's like they, they embrace it as this beautiful culture. It's a beautiful language. Oh, yeah. it is. And so I just find that interesting that I was able to identify a little bit about your story. That that's very interesting. That just by association, I belong somewhere. Yes, absolutely. And I guess the reason why I'm, I was bringing it up is because you know, even though I felt like there was some, you know, even though I felt like there was maybe some gatekeeping there, you know, um, as far as feeling Armenian enough, uh, I was I was raised in the church. I was raised in the community. I had those strong, you know, uh, family figures. I was able to know who I was enough 
um, to really be able to identify within, you know, myself and that, and even more so now, um, I am way stronger with how I feel about all of it. You know, now that the information is easier to come by also, mm-hmm. you know, um, but my great grandmothers were alive most of my life, which is something that doesn't normally happen. Um, and they were genocide survivors. And both my great, like your grandmother, um, both my great grandmothers were married very young mm-hmm. and it was a source of protection. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, it yeah. was our family. We don't know where we're going to be. We don't right. know who's going to actually be able to stay together. So we're going to attach you to this person who is much older than you and hope that you guys can get away together and start a family somewhere else safely, you know, right. or continue to live, you know, um, because they, it, families were being torn apart. Yeah. So, uh, my great grandmother was 96 when she passed and my son was on the way. She died only a couple of weeks before I had Frankie. Mm. So she only died 16 years ago. You know, when you really think about that. And that's, mm. I was 28. Mm. How many people get to say that they knew their great grandmothers, you right. know, still yeah. at 28? Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really special. And uh, because of that, I know her story very well. And it was definitely, you walked on eggshells when she talked about it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, something that wasn't easily brought up. And if she did, you held your breath and you listened and nobody moved. You know, and then she would kind of retreat. You know, she had some some of her own PTSD that she had to deal with, and she lost quite a bit of her family. So um, we all had to we were respectful of that. So uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to ask too many questions. The bits of information that I know are the same bits of information that my grandmother knew, which was um, all that she would share, and that's it. You know, so there was a there were some other things. that happened along the way that were, uh, you know, interesting. Like, uh, when they left, they fled to, um, Marseille. So Mm -hmm. in France and very, very sweet enough because they fled to France. She, my great grandmother completely embraced the culture of France and embraced the language and wanted to assimilate very quickly. And at 15, she was able to absorb the language very fast and that's where my great uncle who is now 97 was born and he's still alive Wow! and i still get to see him occasionally and he's a spitfire he's Mm -hmm. funny as hell and he's not to be trusted around waitresses Mm -hmm. but he's (laughs) he's a sweet old dude um and uh so when i when my mother did the unthinkable which is mary and odar which is what we call someone who is non-Armenian. Mm-hmm. It kind of almost sounds like other, doesn't it? Yeah. Almost yeah. sounds like other, but mm-hmm. it's, it's um, some people pronounce it with a kind of a T sound. Some people pronounce it with a D sound. Mm-hmm. Depends on which dialect you're, you know, which area you're from. Mm-hmm. But um, it, she married a French guy, you know? So then all of a sudden my grandmother was like, my great grandmother was like, I accept this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because he's French. Right. You know, if he had been anything else, there may have been more of a fight for my poor mom, you know, yeah. but, uh, growing up, she always spoke, uh, both Armenian and French to me because mm-hmm. she just assumed that I would know both, by the way, I am not fluent in either. So it just actually became kind of comical. Yeah. Um, 
and but she was she was really cool and talk about clairvoyancy holy moly oh yeah my grandmother uh on she was in hospice for a while and we went to go visit her and i was having frankie and i was visibly pregnant but i hadn't had my first ultrasound yet and this is only a little bit before she passed away and I went to go visit her and I used to be a nursing assistant. So I kind of like helped prop her up in bed mm-hmm. and yelled at the nurse and, you know, tried to like, <laughs> you know, fuss over her and stuff. And she's, she turns around and she looks at me and she goes, you have two, you know? And I went, no, Nana, there's only, there's only one, you know? No, you have two. You don't need two. You give me one. I take care. <laughs> you know, you have two. You don't need two, you know? And <laughs> Even my mom's chiming in. No, Nana, there's only one baby in there. She doesn't have two babies, you know. And come to find out, she passed away before I had my ultrasound. I went to go have my ultrasound. And I had what's called a, um, a, a what do they call it? A venous sac or something like that, mm-hmm. um, where it, it vanishing twin syndrome. Right, right, oh, right. yeah. Yeah. I was like, son of a bitch, she took the twin. <laughs> yeah. She did. She knew. She knew. She knew that having two Frankies would probably be too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there was a night when I actually woke up in the middle of the night before that happened and I had a I had a cold woman I knew it was an older woman, a hold hand on the back of my neck. Yeah. And I I knew. I was like, All right, Nana. You got me. Yeah. 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 It's a good feeling. Yeah. It's a, it was, she, it's a good feeling. yeah, she was, she was trying to take care of us. That wasn't meant to be a, a negative story, you know, about, no, it's about tri- the loss of a child. I love that story. story. I just didn't want anyone to think like, oh no. <laughs> no, <laughs> was, I love that story. It was, what happened was meant to, to happen for Absolutely. us. For sure. I believe yeah. that. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Yeah. You don't justify that. Yeah. So let's talk about what's what has been happening the last few years with Armenia and Azerbaijan. So um, when the when the USSR fell, uh, Azerbaijan was given large chunks of land by Stalin. And uh, so Azerbaijan believed that the area Nagorno-Karabakh is theirs but it has actually always been ethnically Armenian. It is indigenous land for the Armenians. It's a tiny little place. And it it holds an awful lot of our ancestral culture, um, very, very old churches. We're talking like from the, you know, the first century mm-hmm. um, because they're the first Christian nation um, you know, and it's the, as ever, as we all know, it's the cradle of civilization right there, you know, in that area. And um, Armenians believe that they are the first descendants of Noah because of where Mount Ararat is. Mm-hmm. And now Mount Ararat is actually no longer in Armenia. It's now part of Turkey, but we can see it. And they're still sacred mountains to us, you know, so you still find it on everything. Um, but in... So later on, there were, you know, there's, there's been different, there's been different, I don't even know how to put that because I'm, there's certain words that we've been trying to stay away from. We're trying not to say conflict because we're trying to, to stay away from the false equivalency mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. because this is very clearly they're after ethnic cleansing. They're after destroying these, you know, um, ancestral sites, mm-hmm. um, archeological sites, 
that have the first shoe that is 5,500 uh, 5, years old. Mm. Um, the, we are the first winemakers. They have they found the first wine. Did mm. you know that the first wine actually sacrificed people? No. Yeah, they like opened the guy's veins and it, he bled right into the wine and it was sacrificial and it was, uh, it was actually supposed to be a portal to a higher plane. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's all kinds of really cool stuff there um, as far as like, you know. Yeah. The, the pagan stuff and ritual before Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, hit the area. I'm very, very interested in all of that. Um, but in the 80s, there was a big community in Baku, Azerbaijan, and they suddenly decided that there was obviously some triggers there, but and some red flags, but they had all the Armenians in the Armenian district call out of work one day. All of a sudden, everybody was like, national holiday for no reason, stay home. And they slaughtered everybody in their homes, um, families. And it was um, it was a pretty intense time. There Was that in one, like, city? Or? That's one city. That's one, that Baku. Baku. Is, yeah. And, like, what size is that city? Um, I don't know the size of the city, but I do know that they're saying about 30,000 passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The Armenian genocide was 1.5 million. Million. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why there's so little of, you know, little people around since then. But, um, Baku was a a big deal. And because of that, I mean, there were, there were, there have been other wars, and other massacres. I don't want to get too much into that. Um, mm-hmm. Only because like it's just it's just a lot of information and a lot of dates. And I don't want yeah. to lose sight of what we're talking well, about. Mm-hmm. Um, it all leads up to more s- recently in the last 30 years. Uh, Nagorno-Karabakh has actually became. Uh, they, they, they self-determined as being an independent state. Mm-hmm. That is separated from Armenia. And they even share almost the same flag except that they have a kind of like a i don't know how to explain it like a, a greater than um mm-hmm. look and it's supposed to make it look like a breakaway so it actually looks like we are a breakaway piece of armenia and that's exactly what the flag means mm-hmm. and uh azerbaijan has does not want to recognize that they've had a very hard time being coming recognized which is why all of my posts have been recognized arxa mm-hmm. You know, because the only way to really stop what was happening is either to recognize it so that the UN takes notice, so that, you know, the bigger major areas take notice and can help. So wait, go back. Yeah, I'm getting flustered. I'm no, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so Ar- Armenia? Armenia is is a so country what broke itself. Away? There's a ma- what broke away? So uh, Nagorno-Karabakh is is a separate piece that actually is surrounded mostly by Azerbaijan. Okay. But it is part, it was part of Armenia. It was part of Armenia. It was part of Armenia. Actually, all of Azerbaijan used to be Armenia. Right. But they got that one part. Right. And then they got Armenia proper. Right. Okay. And then the people who were this little part, which is called Nagorno-Karabakh. Nagorno-Karabakh. Yes. Which is what we also refer to as Arksa. Arksa. And these people identify themselves as... Ethnically Armenian and independent. Okay. Why are they independent from Armenia? 
because that's how Stalin divided the area up. Okay. And somehow they were the Armenians never left that particular region. Okay. So they were they self-determined about 30 years ago. Okay. okay. So they're Armenian but not Armenian. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're not Armenian proper, which is why they don't have the um the ability to defend themselves or right. why nobody's coming yeah. to their aid because nobody right. recognizes that recognizes that they are excuse me a state to themselves so why doesn't armenia adopt them armenia has adopted them Ar- okay. they are actually they have their own government they have their um their own yeah they they are a democratic region uh-huh. they um they have all almost all of the components that they need to be uh recognized okay they just need the bigger powers of the world okay. to, to say, say that. Yeah, dude, we hear you. That's yeah. it. You you can come to the Olympics. Right. Right. They actually, they check all of the boxes in order to, to be recognized. Okay. So, okay. So they're like, hey, well, this is us. Yay. And Azerbaijan is like, no. Azerbaijan's like, no, even though, you know, you fund yourselves and then Armenia funds you also, you know, um, and backs you. We don't recognize that. You know, even though they're not, they haven't had anything to do with maintaining any of the government or, you know, the money that yeah. flows in or they don't, they don't send aid. They don't. Right. Yeah, it is. So what's the conflict? Do they want the land? So Azerbaijan wants the land back. Okay. They want the land, period. Right. You know, they want the land that Stalin promised them. Gotcha. Yeah. And which is this okay, tiny piece. Now. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're you're explaining it well. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, and I recognize that for you. No, I'm not. I'm not a good speaker. You're very good. You're super good. <laughs> Listen, Kathy says she understands. You're better than you even know. Okay. If I'm following, you're doing all right. All right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. For okay. sure. I'll take it. Okay. This is important. So now this yes. is within the last few decades you've said yeah that they got that they were independent of They're themselves independent. yes so recently azerbaijan's like okay now we're gonna fuck up your shit yeah recently azerbaijan during the pandemic it started in july at the end um they decided that they were gonna start up a, a they had a flare-up and they started attacking you know it was kind of like a he said she said kind of situation you know um and then it was quiet for a while and we thought, okay, so another, another stupid skirmish, you know, we don't really know why they were so heated. You know, they seem to be quiet now, you know, and even our friend, John, Dana's yeah. boyfriend, John, um, who's also Armenian said, you know, like, eh, it's probably, it's probably done. You know, that's, it happens once in a while. And we just kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. And then September 27th, all hell broke loose and they just came back full force and they were starting to attack the Tabush region, which um, was a very weird move because it actually, it's not, it's not where it's not part of, you know, what they actually want. And they started attacking in all these different spots. Sorry. And the, the, from what I understand, from what I understand from the things that you post, is that you think that that's something that's happening over there, which is co- which is the full circle conversation yes. here. Yes. Okay. So you know you think like okay those two way over there that's happening, but it's not true because this is this quote unquote skirmish 
is global and it's targeting people of Armenian descent. And that's, I mean, the skirmishes are a big problem, but that's a big fucking problem. Yeah. So what happened was it was actually kind of, uh, it was a call to anybody who was um, from Azerbaijan or who was connected to Turkey um, that they would be rewarded if they started attacking Armenians on any soil. So New York, L.A., like oh here. Yes. Connecticut. Like anywhere. Yeah. We ha- there, yeah, there were attacks in Philadelphia. There were attacks in um, San Francisco. There were attacks in L.A. There were, um, it's, yeah, there were major attacks in uh, Russia. There were attacks in France. I mean, the list just goes on and on, you know. Um, and that is when I started to really become concerned. And this was back in July, Obviously, when September started, you know, rolled around and they started attacking again, we knew that this was part of a bigger picture. We knew that they weren't going away very fast. We knew that this was time we actually had to mobilize troops. We had to gain humanitarian aid. We had to move people um, because they were really they're using cluster ammunition. They're using missiles. They're using all kinds of things that they have used white phosphorus bombs. They have burned down our forests um they're attacking civilians in churches in schools in ppe factories and um they're not supposed to be attacking civilian areas they're supposed to like they're not military targets and that's exactly what they were doing they started to attack some of these regions with um with almost like no care at all like they're just demolishing buildings you know, like the, there's nobody there. The military is not even there. And they've just decided that they're just going to level it, you know, like for fun. Um, we were very, very good at holding the line. I mean, we as in Armenians who are actually in Ar- Arksa fighting on the line, um, giving our lives. Um, most of these people are, you know, the usual age of, of being enlisted, 18 to 20. We, we did have grandfathers, fathers, and sons. We do have a large number of women fighting on, you know, the borders as well. Um, the uh, prime minister's wife is even out there on the borders fighting with their son, who's also out there. Um, whereas Aliyev and Turkey started to partner up and Turkey finally came to terms with, yes, I am sending aid. I am sending people over there. And he just kept saying, no, no, no. And deny, deny. And then uh, like he keeps coining the fake news stuff. And it's, it's actually starting to get pretty comical, but um, he hired mercenaries, jihadists, uh, people from Syria who have, who are down on their luck, Mm -hmm. um, you know, moving them out there under the guise that they were just going to be, guarding these military bases that they weren't going to see war that they weren't going to actually see any kind of you know action and instead he's putting up putting them out there they're untrained they're um some of them have been drugged and they are fighting for they don't even know what um besides money in their pocket and they were promised a thousand dollars a month which um some of them are claiming they didn't never saw they cut off all communication with their people so that people couldn't, they didn't really know what was going on on the news unless it was only news sources from 
Azerbaijan. So uh, we were getting these weird messages, you know, people who are smart enough to, you know, are tech savvy, who, who started to get little blips out there, you know, like, hey, we need help. We don't really know what's happening. Can someone please help us? Including the mercenaries, including some of these people that were hired to go out there because they're, especially we know how Syria, how hard they've been hit. Right. And so they were definitely taken advantage of, you mm -hmm. know, so they are. There are multiple levels. Yes. Of yes. cultural destruction. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. And on top of it, they're, uh, they don't take POWs most of the time. Mm -hmm. They, um, and I say they, I mean, I mean, Turkey and Azerbaijan and anybody who is related to them that were hired mercenaries. They're, they don't put them in some cozy little jail cell and let them sit it out. They behead, they maim, they flay. They, um, and they do the same thing to the citizens when they come encounter with them in the regions that they're invading. Mm. Um, so it's been really upsetting. I mean, we're seeing elderly who don't want to leave their homes, as we all know, many elderly who are like, I'm, that's it. This is my ship. I'm staying here. I'm going to sink with it. Well, they do. And it's really upsetting when you get another report of, you know, um, an 83-year-old man who gets beheaded because he didn't want to leave his home. This is happening now. This is happening now. And that's the conversation, I think. I'm going to just pull it around. Yep. That we're so oblivious or blindsided if it's not happening in our backyard not in my backyard not happening to me and why this conversation why you're bringing it forward is so important and your heart and a you know when it, to me if it's happening to you it's happening to me if i love you if it's happening to you it's happening to me if it's happening to your people it's happening to my people because that's how i think and that's how i feel about you know you know all the destruction and happening you know with with our with our universe and then we go to our earth and our world and our nation and our communities and our neighborhood and our home it's like this big cancer thing that just comes and invades and so the message is is that even though it's not about you it is happening to you if you are listening and you know somebody and it's not just this Ar armenian culture it's like happening in so many other places that we have to start really thinking outside our own home sometimes and really help more and be there more. Yeah. And cause I'm hearing the helplessness. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, I, I guess, um, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a little all over the place and I'm afraid no, that I'm not no, communicating. No, 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 no. I'm sorry that you keep having to, no, you're no, clear. No, that's our job. We're, okay. We have a podcast. We have to yeah. figure we have. And also I, have I love that you call it our job. Like, <laughs> where's my where's my benefits <laughs> you get you get we decided it's kids uh, what do i call it uh what do you get cam bucks yes curse calls it cam bucks i think i think yeah. i have a really good way of of putting it in in an, in a way that helps americans understand it a little bit more yeah which is armenians are like the native americans here in the u.s they are indigenous to that land and right. they are fighting these huge fascist dictator colonist states yes. who are coming in and trying to erase them, erase completely. Mm -hmm. 
they are actually we had uncovered before our major discoveries yesterday that um there is a mining company that has been waiting for the war to end and for the armenians to lose so that they can regain arksa so they can mine it for gold there we are not rich in oil as far as we know um but there's a lot of access points azerbaijan has no direct access point to that particular area and then going on to turkey how do you get how do you get that access point so this is a very relatable you know yeah. we're talking is very relatable it's here in as you are, yeah yeah it's yeah. very relatable yeah and it's yeah Jane. so yeah. so okay so now you've told a couple hundred people at least if not more yeah your Thank story you. so if they wanted to help what's the first thing they could do well as of yesterday our prime our prime minister has decided to end the war and what that meant for us is that russia is coming in um they have what they call peacekeepers um they already started coming into all the different regions uh part of arksa has been given up and given back to azerbaijan which is going to make it very difficult moving forward for the rest of arksa to become recognized because of conceding right. to this so um there's a lot of things that are up in the air and we're not really quite sure what some of these things mean because uh, it's very early but the biggest thing is the humanitarian aid Absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and for our people to remain united, because unfortunately it's caused some very, um, it's caused a lot of civil unrest. You know, uh, people are angry that their sons and their fathers yeah. and, um, you know, the, the wives and, and young ladies who have put them put themselves on the line and have died for this cause to all of a sudden have the prime minister go, OK, we're done now. You know, we're going to sign a peace treaty and uh, we're giving them half of Arksa uh, through everybody really pretty hard. As you know, during wartime, nationalism is very high because mm -hmm. um, that's how you unite your people. And so there's. There's a lot going on there, but despite all of that, there are thousands of families who have been living in uh, Yerevan and, you know, other adjacent areas who are, we're talking 20 people in a basement somewhere, you know, during COVID. Um, and it's getting cold there. Uh, it's definitely colder there than it is here right now. Um, and these people are displaced and most of them are not going to go back to their homes. Actually, some of them are already lighting their homes on fire because they figured if my I can't go back to my home, I don't want these colonizers to take my home. Right. So um, the humanitarian aid is big. Armenia Fund is definitely the big one. There's also one called hymnodram.org, and I can share all that information with you. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely sign anything that comes your way for anca.org. Um that's you know our uh, our big news outlet as well as um, our organization that helps keep everybody abreast of what's happening and they are they have lots of representatives all over the world that um, help us stay in the loop uh, and 
that's it. You know, if you happen to know an Armenian, um, you may want to give them a hug. You may want to let them know that you care. Um, because we definitely feel like we've been shouting in the dark. Mm -hmm. We definitely feel very unseen, especially since all of this happened during the election. Yeah. Everything's kind of overshouted. Overshout. Over. I'm just going to watch you. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) It's painful. Overshadowed. Overshadowed. Thank you. I had it first. (laughs) I've been overshadowed. Yeah. By our election, which was very scary. And I mean, yeah, I mean, very scary. The election here was just as important. And yeah, absolutely. Like I said, and scary. Like everything is, everything seems to be scary. You know, it seems like every, everybody, the anxiety rate that is going on right now is exponentially, I think it's just, it's just enormous. I, I, I I don't think I've ever been busier as far as supporting and loving and trying to help. Uh, you know, the anxiety that's going on with everybody has having a story and trying to help in some way outside themselves. Oh, yeah. And that's the frustrating part is that the helplessness, the feeling of helplessness, the feeling of not having control, the, the feeling of not being able to support. If we could go over right now, if we could go over right now, believe me, we would and go and, and whatever you needed to do, Jen, to save, your, you know, to save people, we would do it. And we were, we're one we're three people in a room right now. What are we doing? This is what we can do. So this is a conversation that is so important that we had this conversation on Patreon, you know, when it came to the Black Lives Matter. We're feeling like we weren't doing enough and what could we do? And everybody has a role and everybody has to play a specific role because we all do one thing then other things get neglected. So if I was not able to physically, like you can't physically go over there and, f- and fight and, and, and get out there, you're talking about it. You're spreading the word about it. You're having conversations. You just educated m- myself and Donna and how many hundreds and maybe thousands of people who are going to be listening, whomever's listening, it's going to impact somebody. That's the part, that's the role that you have, and it's a strong one. You're spreading the word. And take pride in that because that's the lane that you've been given. Because if we go too far out, it over it, it what happens is it overcomes us. And we end up losing our path, our own individual path when we are trying to do it all because we feel that helplessness and that's when you're going to suffer from anxiety and any imbalances you have are going to get exacerbated and your life path gets confusing and we feel like we're in this dark hole and that's why we need to remember that these everything that's happening current events is so important and we have to be involved but understand that we have our own role and stay in that path so that you can continue to still be as healthy as possible emotionally and mentally. Because the desperation can create depression, destruction, and then we're no good to anybody else anyway. All right? And that I o- often have this conversation with myself too. Because I go, I, why, why am I here on earth? I could do so much more if I was flying around. <laughs> being helping i don't understand why i'm in a human form and i ha- and i cry 
and I go, why can't I help the whole world? I don't understand this. This makes no sense to me. Why did, why am I, why am I human? So I've had these conversations myself and it's just a good reminder to share. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, not to get like too far in it, but that's, that's how I, I took from it. I'm, I'm sorry you're, you're hurting and you're going through this and my heart goes to all the people out there and I know I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to burn a candle for them and hope that, you know, there's, there's got to be some peace somewhere, somehow, and some kind of, you know, whatever, whatever's supposed to happen. I don't have the word for it. Um, but it matters and they matter and you matter. Thank you for doing this. Thank, Thank you, you for having Yeah, me. thanks for coming. You're amazing. You're amazing. And we'll post all the information for people. And uh, you never know. You might connect with yeah. somebody. Yeah. You never yeah. know. Yeah, that's it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. And any other Armenians out there in the Hudson Valley, hit me hey, up. Hey, you have to go, <laughs> hey. Hey. Hey, let's do it. Let's yeah. do a shout out to your tattoo shop. Yes. Oh, Guts and Glory, Inc. on Main Street in Rosendale. <laughs> Guts and Glory. <laughs> You guys are beautiful. Thank okay. You. All right. Thanks so much. High five. High five. Open up my way.